been surprising to me as a parent to all of a sudden feel incredibly grateful for the social outlet that games provide um, at this time. And uh, it's definitely shifted my thinking on that. Welcome to the 30,000 Hours Podcast. The music you just heard is titled Unnamed Project by Timothean, our guest's 11-year-old son, and it was created during the school closures. I'm Monica Bolger, a PhD in education who studies children's rights in digital spaces, and I am joined today by my colleague Mary Madden, a veteran researcher, writer, and nationally recognized expert on privacy and technology, trends in social media use, and the impact of digital media on teens and parents. We worked together at the Data and Society Research Institute in New York City, and we also were fellows at the same time, I believe, at um, the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society. Uh, she recently directed an initiative at the Data and Society Research Institute that explored the effects of data-centric systems on Americans' health and well-being and led several studies examining the intersection of privacy and digital inequality. Prior to her role at Data and Society, Mary was a senior researcher for the Pew Research Center's Internet Science and Technology team in Washington, DC, where many of us enjoyed her research and learned quite a bit about uh, youth and public media and youth and technology. And so thank you so much for joining us today, Mary. Thank you, Monica. It is so nice to be here with you. And I am loving this podcast. I'm so happy you're doing this. <laughs> thank you. And I'm really excited today to be talking about the practical realities of school closures for um, American parents and probably parents worldwide. According to UNESCO, 1.5 billion, or 9 in 10 children globally, are out of school. In the US, an estimated 55 million children are out of school, according to EdWeek. Um, I've noticed as the weeks are progressing, and today is April 8th. Sorry, I had to check my calendar because, as many have mentioned, the days are all blending into one. Um, as, the days are, as the weeks are progressing, I'm seeing more and more parents sharing their stress on Twitter. Um, on April 1st, McSweeney's published a humorous piece about how, to, how recommendations by parents who are newly you know, homeschooling uh, about changing the Common Core rules. And some of the more humorous ones were around um, screen time, uh, which, which we have seen so much research about and so much parent concern about what, how much is too much. And now, and now uh, I think that many parents would agree that um, uh, as the Mc, I'm just going to quote the McSweeney's article. It says, students will learn that screen time is the only time during the day when grown-ups caring for them can get some peace. Students will learn to solve computer problems on their own rather than yelling for a grown-up. This is called inquiry-based learning. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> and students will learn that the threat of loss of screen time is now entirely empty as no grown-up is willing to deal with the catastrophic consequences of being stuck in the house with a bored screenless child. Um, and when I circulated that to, to parents I've, I've interviewed and, and also friends and, and colleagues, uh, I got tweets, I got texts back saying, you have no idea how crazy it is here. 10 to 11 p.m. is my only time to myself if I can stay awake for it. Um, and, and so on and so forth. And so you and I have been talking about this a little bit and, uh, and you've had some reflections on, on the positives and then also how, how your idea of screen time has, has really adjusted um, as you've been more closely engaging with, with your kids as they're using gaming apps and, and things like that. I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yes, yes, no, and thank you for sharing that McSweeney's piece. It's <laughs> it's pretty hilarious, and we obviously welcome uh, humor at this time, for sure. I, I have to share uh, one, there have been many memes circulating, of course, that's one way people are coping with this, um, and one clever one that I saw shared yesterday on my network was, an image of Dolly Parton and, you know, it said something to the effect of like, I I'm, you know, I'm working nine to nine, 15, uh, <laughs> 10 to 10 30, you know, <laughs> and all the, you know, sort of fragmented ways, uh, parents are trying to squeeze in, um, you know, uh, balancing their work obligations with managing homeschool or for us this week, it's lack of, of school assignments. Um, and, and of course, for us, we're in an enormously privileged position of, you know, we, my husband and I still have employment, we uh, have schools that are um, really ahead of the curve on uh, online learning and engaging with parents around what's working with this new process and what's not, um, and soliciting feedback from us. Um, and at this very moment, while I am speaking with you, um, my oldest son, who is 11, uh, is is using his iPad to uh, respond to an assignment from his music teacher who lives in Nashville uh, and, you know, sent it to him. And, uh, you know, I'm super, super grateful that he's able to to continue that relationship um, and that connection remotely during this time. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. That's really incredible. And actually I've been hearing from other uh, parents that the music lessons have been something that's really a solid, uh, positive, something the kids look forward to type of thing that really lent itself to online instruction. So thank you for, for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great for us. We, we had actually, taken a pause from uh, trying to to do these lessons online. Our beloved uh, piano teacher, who is also a vocal uh, teacher for me, um, he had moved away from our area to Nashville to pursue a full-time music career and had been steadily touring with bands. And so generally, you know, not as available for, for doing lessons, but that was, you know, um, one, one blessing of this, this time is that, you know, uh, he's now able to do more lessons. So we sort of jumped on that opportunity and it's been really great. That is really exciting that there's these positives that are happening, um, amidst a lot of frustration and stress for, for many parents. Uh, you had started to talk about 
balancing the the work the parents working from home while the kids are trying to learn from home and what have been some of your observations so far because it's it's a learning lesson right and each week it sort of raises new questions and issues and also streamlining maybe a little bit or not <laughs> yeah yeah i mean um absolutely it's um you know the 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 process of trying to manage all of this from home um you know is is one of the kind of meta pieces of education that you know both the kids and parents are uh you know sort of experiencing at the same time um and so for us you know it's been super important to maintain a consistent schedule and there's of course a lot of people out there uh sharing recommendations homeschooling parents who have been doing this for a long time are sharing their advice and tips that's of course not possible for for many parents and i <laughs> right. i can see that um you know i can see the ways in which this would be so much more challenging under any range of different scenarios and we feel incredibly fortunate that we have generally been able to to block off that time because it's it is a lot of self-directed work but it's also a lot of you know, challenges. Uh, thankfully, our uh, school has not been introducing new content. Uh, it's primarily been focused on reviewing material that the kids had already learned. Um, and so, but, and yet, you know, there are subjects that are challenging that are not ideal for, uh, you know, the, the iPad platform. Um, and for instance, you know, simple things like, teachers not necessarily knowing how to make an active link in a post, you know, on Canvas is our uh, primary uh, online learning platform. And so, you know, there were quite a few posts in that first week where there were links for the kids to either watch videos or go to other platforms to view content. And you know, we had to literally type in the link because it wasn't even possible to like copy and paste from the, it was just a technical, you know, constraint. And uh, so little things like that. Um, and then, you know, bigger challenges, obviously being separated from friends um, has been a big challenge and and uh, is sad. I mean, my oldest is in fifth grade. So this uh, was his last year at his school and he doesn't get to have, you know, sort of his fifth grade graduation from the school. And, um, you know, it's, it's sort of surreal to think that he's just done with his schooling there. Um, and so I think the, the social side of things, um, I think I was mentioning to you in another conversation, it's, it's been surprising to me as a parent to um, all of a sudden feel incredibly grateful for the social outlet that games provide um, at this time. And uh, it's definitely shifted my thinking on that. Yes. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Because often parents are concerned that kids are spending too much time on the games or they don't, parents themselves don't know enough about the games. And you described a process of learning about the games as the kids were asking to play games and you were sort of resisting as parents and how there's there's been um, kind of growth in this for the kids and and for for you as parents seeing how they're engaging with the games and I was wondering if you could describe that process a little bit and and where you're at now especially with the school closures. 
Yeah, so I think um, like many families, we uh, we struggled with the um, onset of Fortnite mania, um, <laughs> which was particularly uh, powerful for for young boys. Um, this was a, a few years ago, um, and we resisted, you know, letting them play it for almost a full year, um, and then you know, finally through a slippery slope of, of them lobbying us and uh, initially convincing my husband to try playing the game so he could, you know, evaluate it. <laughs> um, we slowly, uh, you know, relented and let them start playing and, and sort of the familiar uh, uh, kind of uh, peak of, you know, uh, wanting to, to play all the time and, and, uh, you know, sort of privileging that over other activities was something that we, we struggled with for a while. It never became super intense. Um, but it was, you know, definitely a source of frustration, uh, as parents. And I think as a mom, uh, you know, I was not excited about the all of the glorification of the guns and and violence in the game um but it it was an interesting moment when we found that um when our older son changed schools you know having this shared cultural knowledge which he had been so hungry to have became enormously important for him to to make friends at his new school and um i'm i'm the last person to like advocate for for kids to you know uh start playing uh violent games and i think every every family is different and the range of games is is completely uh i mean varies immensely um but for us you know i found that it it did prove to be actually this pretty powerful social outlet for for friends with the right limitations they you know uh our boys are not allowed to talk with strangers on the platform and uh, are using it, you know, to play with friends from school and some family members that live in other areas. So during this time, it's it's been kind of ironic where I've seen that both of our boys are, are definitely returning to uh, more of their sort of earlier childhood platforms like Minecraft and are all of a sudden interested in Pokemon again. I think it's kind of a, a comfort zone. Um, and it's been fun to see them rediscover their love uh, for those games. But then I've been finding myself encouraging them to log on to Fortnite <laughs> to see if their <laughs> friends are there <laughs> because right. it's one of the only, you know, social platforms that um, they could reliably, you know, find their friends hanging out. And so I, I think I would say like of all the things that, the school, um, you know, has had to, to manage, um, you know, the, the figuring out like how to maintain some of the social connections and interaction is, is one of the most challenging. And, um, and so I'm, I'm really, uh, eager to see sort of what some of the suggestions are moving forward. Cause I I've heard, I've heard mixed reactions from those that have classes that are doing sort of the, you know, 25 kids in a zoom call <laughs> once so we haven't we haven't had to do that and um to me that kind of sounds like chaos but <laughs> right i'd like to just uh pick up on some of the points you made it's important to note that 
Last year, researchers from the Oxford Internet Institute found no relation between aggressive behaviors in teenagers and the amount of time they played on violent video games. So I, I don't know, like, it, it seems so, um, I'm trying to think of the word, like, it, it seems very unsettling uh, to, to, to know that kids are playing these violent video games, but this research does show that, that there, there doesn't seem to be a relationship um, over time that uh, video games would drive real world aggression. Um, so that's something that's reassuring. I also wanted to mention the connection with friends from school. That that comes up so much in, in my interviews with kids that when they change schools, gaming provides a way for them to stay in touch. And even when they move you know, state to state or country to country, gaming is the way they connect. So it's really interesting to hear that that um, in in your household, this is this is true too. That especially right now during school closures, maybe it's a time to um, allow the kids to play to play games, um, but monitor the way you said to talk to them about who they're friending online, who they're playing with, and that sort of thing. Um, so the concern shifts from how much time to to the types of contacts they're making and the and the types of interactions they're having with those contacts. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's also, it's a moment where, you know, because we are all so, you know, removed from our regular routines and comings and goings, and we're all physically occupying the same space for most of the day, um, there's there's more opportunity to, to share and to, you know, see what, you know, the boys are interested in and... Um, you know, they are wanting to uh, to share that with me in a way that I know is very fleeting. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I'm very conscious of what a gift that is. And um, and it, it absolutely, you know, changes your perspective when you start to play some of these games yourself, when you start to play them with people you care about and you know it can be a source of of entertainment and diversion and uh you know humor at a time when we really need that um there was actually an amazing article um from patula dvorak in the washington post uh this week about uh Animal Crossing being uh, the the Fortnite for moms. <laughs> it's hilarious. She she recounts like essentially being caught, you know, playing the game while she's in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, just, just uh, basically like gathering shells on the beach. You know, it's a it's a virtual world environment, and I have not played it yet. But after reading that article, I was like, hmm, that actually sounds very relaxing. <laughs> so. That's what's been so interesting is is uh, you said we're you're removed from your routines and I think that's true that we're all removed from our routines and and this this is a moment of we have we have this massive global health emergency happening so there's there's that stress uh, but we also have a lot of experimentation happening for better or worse that you know like you said some kids are sitting on Zoom calls with 25 kids um, a friend of mine's daughter uh this the teachers were putting teaching videos on youtube um in a in a private channel without realizing that even though it's a private channel the um the sidebar for youtube is making recommendations and so suddenly her uh, six-year-old daughter has gotten really into nail videos uh painting your nails <laughs> watching people paint their nails um yeah 
<laughs> so there's the pros and cons, right? There's there's these things that are like, oh, I, now I know I need to stay in the room with my child when she's on YouTube, and I didn't really want her on YouTube at this age to begin with. Um, so there's like these things that are really concerning, and then there's also these real positives where people are saying like, you know, I didn't realize what a great artist my my child was. Like now they have time to draw, and you know, just different things. So it's it's really a mixed bag happening here, and. Um, what I think would be really helpful is for us to talk about kind of maybe the things parents should be concerned about and then the things that maybe at this moment can be, I don't want to say let go because, you know, in, in terms of child safety, we, we always want to keep keep our kids safe. But maybe the concerns that we normally have, uh, like screen time, for example, aren't really the things we need to focus on, that, that maybe there's, there's more important things like, do we want to leave our kids alone on YouTube? Um, what are the security risks of using Zoom? You know, these different types of things. Um, and I was wondering if you've encountered any of those with your kids at home right now or heard about anything or come across it in your readings? Yeah, I mean, as a privacy researcher, um, you know, it's easy for me to get caught up in the negatives of, you know, um, uh, the risks. Uh, and so I do have to constantly reset myself um, when I'm I'm thinking about, um, you know, how I approach these things in my own life. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the and I do not want to set myself up as a model by any means because I am. <laughs> right. I know everybody's one, struggling. Yeah. One hundred percent making mistakes and learning along the way. And, and I, I truly believe that every, you know, every family, every child is, is different, um, and how they, you know, benefit or are, um, exposed to, to risks in these scenarios. And that obviously plays out in the research as well. But, you know, we know certainly from just a, a foundational level, um, that the research shows that the, the quality of the content, you know, matters more than the sheer amount of time uh spent on screens and and i think we tend to apply sort of a a balanced diet you know kind of framework and we try to make sure that we have as much you know exercise as possible and we're eating good foods and we're getting up and taking breaks and uh, some days are very full of non-screen activities and other days are very full <laughs> of on-screen activities. Um, and, you know, right now, most of that time is spent doing schoolwork on a typical day. Um, but this week, we're, we're definitely allowing much more game time than, than we would typically. And for the most part, it's been a super, like, positive, creative, uh, you know, time for our kids. They've been connecting with cousins that don't live nearby and, uh, you know, reconnecting with some friends that they essentially didn't have time to coordinate with previously. But, you know, now that we're all stuck at home, it was a moment to reach out. Um, and so, you know, I think we're still very early on in this process and, um, and, each week is going to feel different. Um, and, and our kids are changing too, uh, rapidly, right? Like the, the challenges we're navigating now are, I feel far less complex than, uh, what this would have been like 
even just a few years ago, um, just based on sort of the kinds of conversations we can have the, you know, um, I think the, just the level of understanding because of our kids ages, um, and where they're at developmentally. And I think that's super important. And we, we tend to, you know, group kids together. Researchers are guilty of this as well and make, you know, assumptions about, uh, you know, what all kids, um, you know, online, right. uh, you know, should or shouldn't do or, you know, and uh, of course, it, it really, really varies greatly um, according to their age. Um, and and uh, I think also, you know, from a sort of digital literacy perspective as well, um, you know, there's, this is an opportunity for so many important and thoughtful conversations uh, about the role of digital technologies in our lives and um, and also a moment to sort of teach kids about self-regulating, not only in terms of the content, obviously, but, but in the amount of time to teach them to be conscious. Sometimes it's, I find with our kids, good to kind of let them have a day of like, feasting on content <laughs> and pursuing their interests and then they kind of you know come to realize like eh, I didn't feel so good like after you know sitting and playing this game for a few hours <laughs> like um and so you know I think the more that we can teach them to make those choices for themselves the better position they will be you know to do that down the road so um that's our that's our longer term goal here but that's a multi-year project <laughs> I think that there's so many important points there, especially about the diversity of children and their experiences that, that there is no often, often research, as you said, and also, um, just in the news and, and everywhere treats children like this monolithic group. And it's so important to realize all the different experiences happening, everything that they're bringing to it. And also that, that on a given day, just as you said, one day they might feast on, on, online uh, content and another day they might be completely offline any given day the kids are their attitudes are changing their um, needs are changing and so it's important to remember this is a fluid experience and not something that's fixed in stone and and it also sounds like um, the rules are need to be flexible right now too in, in as in terms of how much time they're spending on things uh, what they're doing um, they are different routines. It sounds like it sounds like each day is sort of a learning experience um, for everyone. Yeah, um. yeah. I think I think that's right. And and uh, it, you know, it's it is challenging as a parent to to sort of both maintain boundaries and be somewhat flexible, right? Because mm -hmm. it's everything you read about, you know, sort of uh you know uh, what kids need in terms of like structure and consistency you know tends to emphasize like really being pretty pretty firm um on you know what's important uh to your family but um i do think that this is a time where so many uh you know sort of structures that we had relied on in daily life are being upended um, and we are having to be flexible in our jobs and in our communities. Um, it's important to, you know, acknowledge and, and give ourselves uh, 
some grace and <laughs> leeway to to be be flexible in our families as well. And so, you know, I was just thinking of like if I was to respond to, you know, a survey today and describe <laughs> the amount of screen time that uh, my children had had, you know, it would be um, it would suggest uh, quite a lot, but it would not reveal um, things like, you know, the fact that they were interacting with their grandmother who is retired but has a PhD in English and has been leading their like weekly uh, lessons in poetry and uh, you know doing that for us remotely which has been such a, a gift and um, you know today we logged on to the live stream uh, Instagram stream of one of our favorite bands who are friends of ours and got to interact with them and you know, kind of see how that works and hear some beautiful music. And, you know, these were all like very positive experiences and they were experiences that we had together. And so I think that that's another layer of this, you know, families experiencing, you know, digital media together. Um, that is a very positive thing. And, and, and also I think helps parents to reflect upon their own you know, use of screens in their daily lives, right? And and the extent to which, you know, they can be more engaged with their kids rather than having their heads buried in their own phones or, you know, their computers. Uh, so uh, it's, I think, sparked a lot of, of good conversations in our home about, um, you know, the need for all of us to to balance that time with all kinds of, you know, uh, outside activity and and sort of active uh, off screen time as well. And that reminds me, I think we have two two or three closing points here. Of an earlier podcast, Cristobal Cobo spoke about the opportunities for informal learning. Would be uh, this might be a time you know where there will be many opportunities for informal learning, and, and what you're describing really sounds that way. That that right now um, the learning is is happening in a multitude of ways, and and to just be flexible and 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 kind of you know let 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 some of the rigid guidelines go, and just in this moment take these take these opportunities as they as they present themselves. Absolutely, yeah. We've I mean we've had that happening I feel like uh almost every day uh in our house for for me it was uh learning how to make the the New York Times no need bread recipe <laughs> which was uh which I I, I think uh, uh, an absurdly you know a uh, high percentage of my friends seem to have made over the last week um but uh but certainly for my kids you know they've been teaching themselves how to set up Minecraft servers and, you know, uh, learning about uh, every like level of minutia on, you know, collecting Pokemon cards and, uh, you know, uh, refurbishing retro gaming devices. And so, um, you know, the amount of, of content is seemingly endless and, and sometimes that can be overwhelming in and of itself. But I do have to share just this one charming anecdote, which is that um, our younger son, who is nine, was watching a video for that was assigned for one of his classes. And uh, he, it, it was in part about um, the librarians at the New York Public Library who have sort of a, a hotline to answer questions, just any question. <laughs> 
comes oh. from the public. And 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 he immediately wanted to call. And uh, my older son said, well, why, why wouldn't you just Google it? And he said, because you can talk to someone and, and learn about, you know, some different things to read about it. And it was just lovely. It was like, oh. <laughs> Did he call? So we actually are planning to call later today. And the question he wants to ask, which I did not have a good answer for, um, is sort of understanding exactly why uh, the color black absorbs more, you know, heat <gasps> from oh, the wow. sun. So because we were out uh, getting our exercise and my older son was wearing a black shirt and he was wearing a white shirt and um, you know, and it, and the sun is actually <laughs> shining quite intensely here today. And, uh, you know, I could explain like generally like well, white reflects, you know, sunlight, but I don't like really know why like the color black <laughs> absorbs the energy. Um, it's like a deep question and perfect for a librarian to, to sort of help set you on a, a course of, uh, inquiry there. So hopefully we'll be doing that, uh, shortly after this call. <laughs> and and that's a really good example of self-regulating their own learning too, right? Knowing knowing what kinds of questions they want to ask and who the best person might be to ask them is is um is all part of of learning to learn. And so that's a really great thing to take away. Something that uh, I thought of as you were talking is uh, our colleague Ethan Zuckerman posted on Twitter that um, his child created a space to chill out on mine on Minecraft, that, nice. and it was called like a space for kids to chill out. And I, I think that um, that's part of this too is is giving children space to create what their normal is right now, um, and whether that's you know, like you said, like going for bike rides or um, spending more time in a game or reading or whatever that is, allowing kids kind of a space uh, to not be like, you know, constantly having to perform or to produce, um, but just to be sorting out for themselves what, what right now means for them. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experiences because we've been talking each week about all of the different challenges and learning lessons that are coming out of this. And it's, it's, I think it's really helpful for um, everyone to, to, to know we're, we're sort of all in this together, struggling and learning. And there's definitely positives that are coming out of this that we can take forward um, into whatever becomes our next normal. Thank you so much for having me, Monica. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 